Amen. I like what William Law said. If you want to, uh, if you want to turn to a scripture uh, today, why don't we? Why don't we begin with? Well, I'm going to read some scripture. So, but, and you probably can't turn that fast. Uh, so, I just, I just want, I want to comply instead of complain. The easiest thing to do, if our flesh rules, is complain. Everyone complained about the job. I was bivocational for 12 years. I pastored. I, I was here in the pulpit. Sometimes I rushed out to get to my job. I took care of funerals. I took care of hospital visitation in the morning, went to work that afternoon. I turned down uh, advancement that would have paid uh, a whole lot more money uh, so that I wouldn't be tied up to where I couldn't minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God has rewarded me for it. And there's rewards that you receive materially right here in the earth. But the greater reward is when I get to heaven and see the souls that have come to know Christ. Not just that I have led to the Lord, but that people that I have led to the Lord have led to the Lord. And people that we have inspired and instructed and, and exhorted uh, have been enough of a witness to have an effect on someone else's life. Uh, and, and I'm so thankful for the privilege uh, of, of serving the Lord with everything I have, with whatever we have. That's one thing we have de determined to do. Whoever's here, we're going to have church. Amen. If it's full, we're going to have church. If it's half empty, we're going to have church. If it's two-thirds empty, we're going to have church. Because Jesus is going to show up, and we're going to do everything that we can with everything that we have to work with to do our very best for Jesus Christ. And uh, people will be back after the holiday of Thanksgiving. Trains planes and automobiles are taking them places because school is out but we are glad you're here today i want that cultivated heart of thanksgiving god puts a premium on i just want to review for a minute how many were here last week and heard psalm 50 explained to you uh, some people got that and uh, one lady in particular said she's going to make some real changes in her life and and is expecting answered prayer and god to come through in her behalf and when those things occur when somebody it has been affected by the word of god to the degree that they are determined to make adjustments and changes so that god can come through god can bless them god can answer prayer and god can be glorified it's a double blessing he said it today in the interpretation of the message. Amen. It is good to give thanks unto the Lord. Can you say amen? It's good for God because whoso offereth praise out of that grateful heart glorifieth me. Can you say amen? It's good for us because we get the answer to the prayer, the meeting of the need, the deliverance that he offers. It's a win-win when we do that. Praise God. And if you be become thankful in all things, your heart is going to be lifted. Your heart's going to be lifted. Your heart will never be lifted while you're complaining. It's like eating possum that isn't cooked right. Man told me one time, if you don't cook it right, said it's fine if you cook it right. But if you don't cook it right, you chew it and it gets bigger instead of smaller. The more you chew it and then you can't swallow it, you just have to chew it up and get the juice out and spit it out. Amen. If you don't, if you, if you don't cook it right. Let me tell you something about your troubles and your problems. The more you talk about them, the more you complain, the bigger they're going to get. 
And the more you thank God and praise God, the more you're going to disassociate the trouble and the pressure and the problem and the pain. And you're going to, to set your eyes upon Jesus with gratitude in your heart. Your heart is going to be lifted. You're not going to find yourself in defeat and despair and depression. My good friend of my mother's, I, well, actually, she was an aunt, I suppose. I, the family gets so crazy out there, but uh, her name was Ruby. And Ruby had crippling arthritis. They had given her the, the strongest pain medications that they could give anyone without just putting them to where they were incapacitated. And she still had pain, and she, she couldn't think about anything but the pain that she was in. She went to the doctor in desperation in one of her regular appointments and said, Doctor, I can't stand this anymore. I can't take it. After a while, it just brought her into terrible depression and hopelessness. And, and can you give me anything else for the pain? Because she was dwelling constantly on the pain that she was in. When, listen, there's other pains other than, than diseases and debilitating diseases. There's pain in the heart. There's heartache and there's heartbreak. And if we dwell on the pain and who caused the pain and the pressure we're under, the pain that we're in, that it's like chewing possum that isn't cooked right. The more you chew it, the bigger it's going to get. And, and this was a Christian doctor. You know what he told her? He said, I want you to get up in the morning and thank God for His goodness to you. I, isn't that an amazing prescription? It's so easy to write a prescription for some kind of, of you know, something with codeine and something to just about knock you out and in, incapacitate you to try to deal with the pain. He said, get up and be thankful, number one. And number two, go out and help somebody less fortunate than you. And she said, well, where can I go? He said, well, at our church, we got a lot of ladies your age that go out with meals on wheels and help them deliver. One drives and the other helps them pack the stuff in to people that are uh, up in years and, and can't cook for themselves and make sure they get a hot meal five days a week. And she went out and volunteered for meals on wheels. And within six weeks, she said, Doctor, the pain is there, but it isn't so bad anymore. After eight weeks, she asked him to cut down on her prescription for pain medication because she said, I'm too busy. I don't want to feel bad. I want to feel good. I get up in the morning and I thank God. And then I go out and help somebody. You see, the decentralization of self is one of the keys to God helping you to not only look unto Jesus, amen, but, but to... Oh, friend, if we could get <laughs> if we could get past ourselves, God could do wondrous things in our life. But if you keep dwelling on me and my pain, me and my pressure, me and my problem, it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. When they led them into the promised land, they said, have you seen the size of this man? Can you say, man? 
You don't know what you're doing. And they exaggerated. Uh, not, not, not in that particular case, but they exaggerated later on because when they got to the threshold of the promised land, the spies without any faith, amen, they walked over there and they said there's giants in the land, the sons of Anak. There is fierce armies. And there are cities that are walled. How far? How, how tall is the wall? Up to heaven. Isn't it amazing how the, when, you, when, you, when you're void of faith and when you're looking at your circumstance, when they thought of themselves, they said, He must hate us. He brought us out here in the wilderness and left us to die. And God said, you know, not one of them. Not one of those spies and not one of those men that were old enough to go into the land is going to inherit the land. I'll bring a new generation. A generation that will not just look at the circumstances, but look at me and not just listen to the bad report, but listen to me. Look to me and listen to me. Can you say man? It took 40 years to go on a 40-day journey. It should have took 40 days to get there from where they were. And it took them 40 years to get there. And the wonderful thing about being a covenant person is that God blessed them in that 40 years. Because 40 years of walking round in circles and the shoes did not wear out on their feet. And they had water to drink. There wasn't no water. Moses smote the rock. He was mad at them for, for the, their attitude. He hit it twice. He broke the type of Christ who was sacrificed once and for all. Amen. He was punished by not going into the promised land. But the Bible said in the New Testament they all drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Can you say man? Hallelujah. What, what a difference it would make if we could just get past ourselves. One thing about Thanksgiving, you don't get up complaining. You get up praising God. Everyone needs to vent. Everyone needs to tell somebody. There, there have been prayer meetings where people just told how awful the situation was. Did you read the paper this morning? Yes, I did. But I read it in light of God's Word through the lens of the soon coming of Jesus Christ. That's why it didn't get me down. As bad... Brother Vimbo, don't you know how bad it is? Everybody knows how bad it is. We get the bad news constantly through in our faces. But there's some good news. I could tell you what's wrong with the church. Today, the apostasy, the compromise, all of that. But there's something right with the church. God is taking a people from a people. Can you say, man, He's preparing a people. Everybody's not going to come to hear truth anymore, but somebody is. Amen. It's those somebodies that God is getting ready for the soon coming of Jesus Christ. How do you know? Because He's washing them with the water 
of the word that he might present to himself a beat down, beat up, cast down, toe up from the flow up. No, that he might present a compromise, sin stained. Oh no, amen. A glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. God is sanctifying. Hallelujah. Cleansing and setting apart a people for his own name's sake and for himself. Glory be to God. And they are called the bride of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Had a pastor tell me recently, he said, my people are so dead. He said, my people are so dead. Have you ever seen a cardboard figure of some celebrity or Star Wars character or John Wayne or, you know, big as that person? He said, I could sit cardboard figures of my congregation, minister to them, and get just the same result. My wife said that she didn't, she didn't mind what happened after she was gone. Just make sure that she's dead. I probably told you the story of the man who had a dog that was 16 years old. He loved the dog. The dog was, had arthritis and was old and never got off the porch anymore. And the man would sit in his rocking chair, and the old dog was happy just to lay beside his rocking chair. And one day the dog went belly up, took a few gasps, and he said, I don't want to lose my best friend in the whole world. My wife is gone. My children are grown up and left. And this was my best friend right here. He grabbed that dog up, threw him in the car. He said it was about 10 blocks to the veterinarian. He roared up. He took the dog in. He said, is there any hope for my dog? Can you do anything for my dog? I don't want to give up unless I know my dog is dead and gone. And the veterinarian grabbed the dog, took it back in the office on an emergency basis. And he, he, he listened to his heart, couldn't get a heartbeat. He felt in front of his nose, no breath. He, he shook him, and the dog didn't move a muscle. He reached over in a cage, and he got a big old Persian cat, held it right in front of the dog's nose, and the dog didn't move a muscle. He pronounced him dead on the spot. He got the bill on the way out. $1,050. The man said, $1,050? He said, that's right. $50 for the office call, $1,000 for the CAT scan. <laughs> CAT scan. There's so much deadness because we're chewing, we're chewing on our troubles. We're chewing on our problems. We spend more time talking about our mountain and no time talking to the mountain. Jesus said, talk to your trouble. Jesus said to talk to your problem. Jesus said to talk to your circumstance. Jesus said, talk to it. Talk to it. Talk to it. Have faith in God. Come on, don't just... They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as an eagle. They will run and they will not be weary. And they will walk and they will not faint. Wait, wait, wait. It doesn't mean to take a number. 
They got in, in, in Temple Terrace, people in line. They, you probably saw the video of a woman in line at a Walmart, and she got in front of another woman. She grabbed her by the hair of the head and jerked her to the ground. People don't like to wait. Amen? Do not cut in front of anybody. They just called the, 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 the Temple Terrace police while my wife was down at hospice. Somebody was at the, they had a big Donnybrook, a big brawl. People in line. Man got too impatient, started cussing somebody behind the counter. Somebody behind the counter took up for the person they were cussing. Pretty soon they're out in the middle of the floor in a fight. This is in Publix because people are impatient. Road rage. Get out of my way. I'll kill you. But it's not that kind of weight. It's not that kind of weight. It's, not that, it's more perseverance than it is patience. Listen to me carefully. This is important to get. They that wait. It means to bind together. The word wait in that verse of Scripture means to bind together by twisting. And at first I thought it was just you and God and faith and you know how it all gets. No, no it's not. It isn't even the triple-stranded cord is not easily broken. That's not the meaning of it. The meaning, if you're, if you're binding something together by twisting, you are actively doing something. You're not just sitting complaining. They that wait means to consistently trust in and seek the Lord. If you have a need, you ought to be in your Bible. If you have a need, you ought to be on your knees. Faith is not passive. Faith is active. And that's why, amen, God couldn't give them the promised land until they went over to take it by faith. He said, everywhere the soles of your feet touch within the perimeter. You can't have anything you want, but you can have everything He wills. Can you say amen? But He said, you've got to go get it. You can't, the, God doesn't have curb service. Come on, they're not going to break, come on, this is not Sonic. Come on, he's not going to, angel's not going to come with roller skates and bring you the answer. Amen? While you sit there and do absolutely nothing but order it. No, you've got to go get this thing. The kingdom of God allows for this kind of faith. The kingdom of God suffereth violence. And the violent sit complacently and complain until God finally gives in. No, the violent take it by force. The force of what? The force of your faith in God. Can you say amen? amen. Everywhere that the sole of your feet. If you get the flu and you ask for prayer. Get ready to get out of bed. Don't lay in the grapefruit juice and the orange juice and all of the flu medicine and get your favorite channel on the television and make up your mind when God gets ready to heal me. He'll do it. Until He does, I'm going to make myself as comfortable as I can right here. Prepare for the worst. Hope for the best is not the way faith works. Two tribes haven't crossed over. Everywhere, everywhere, the sole of your feet, all the way to the river Euphrates, the perimeters. You can't have what God hasn't given you, promised you, purposed for you.
But you can have everything that he's promised and purposed. But you can't have it by sitting complacently. Because after a while, you'll complain. And after a while, you will accuse. God will get accused. They accused him. We're, we're flesh and blood like them. They didn't see any way out. So they accused God of unfaithfulness and unkindness and being unloving. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Can He? Can He meet your need just because you can't see and just because you're impatient? And you don't understand what wait means? You haven't been in your Bible. You haven't been on your knees. You've just been complaining. Man can't walk, can't get up from his blanket on the ground. Jesus comes along and He says, Rise! Rise! He wasn't speaking to the man on the outside. He knew the man was incapacitated. But he knew some, the real problem wasn't the outside, the sickness or the disease. The real problem was a no faith in his spirit. He had given up. He had absolutely given up. When I pray for people that God can't get you to rise up on the inside in faith, I do not expect anything to happen on the outside. I do not expect your circumstances to change because you're not in your Bible. You're not on your knees. You're not actively seeking God. To wait means to bind together by twisting. Faith is not passive. Faith is not complacent. Faith is active. Can you say man? A woman has an issue of blood. She's waiting upon the Lord. Can you say man? She is actively seeking Him. She can't elbow this crowd and there was always a crowd trying to get to Jesus and she don't have the strength if you have a bleeding problem a female problem and you're losing blood constantly you become anemic and weak and she heard Jesus was going to pass by her way and she got up and she walked as far as she could walk pushed as hard as she could push and then she got down on her hands and her knees and crawled through that crowd come on come on come on too many people are waiting on Jesus to just come to them he knows my need and if he don't come guess what he's the bad guy He's uncaring. He's unloving. He's unfaithful. You, Oh, friend, that's got to stop. You're talking about the God who gave His Son and the Son who gave His life. How dare us exempt ourselves and our responsibilities and accuse Him. There's no sympathy for that. Amen? If the devil dupes you, deceives you, and defraud you by getting you to accuse God instead of take responsibility for your own faith. Then you are destined to live in defeat. And they can, they can anoint you with so much oil, they can name an oil company after you. But it's not going to make any difference. You can call the hotline in Tulsa, but it ain't going to make a bit of difference in the world. As your faith be... What's well, weak? Let's try it again. As your faith be. As your faith be. You mean it's according to my faith what's happening? Well, then we have to be real honest about where our faith is. 
Some people would rather have pity than victory. They're looking for sympathy. They're not looking for victory. Or Roberts went to pray for a woman when he was in the tent under a heavy anointing. He went to pray for a woman in a wheelchair. Her family, whatever she had, her family was always around her doing for her, and she ate it up. She loved it. He went to pray for her. The Lord checked him. Now, you see, most of us, we just want to get everybody set free. We don't care where they're coming from, what's going on in their heart. We just want to get them set free. But you can't get everybody set free. Jesus asked people some poignant, poignant questions. Wilt thou be made whole? Wilt thou be healed? Will you be healed? What kind of a question is that? He wanted to know, do you want sympathy or do you want victory? He started to complain. <laughs> he, 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 said, he said, Lord, I'm so depressed. But see, God saw something. God saw the man at the pool of Bethesda showed up. He just kept showing up. He never made it to the water, but he was there again. Everybody could beat him because he could barely move. But he showed up and he gave it his best shot. And one day, all those people, you see the angel came down to let the dead, amen, the dead religious system that the Jews had manufactured, it was dead, it was void of love and it was void of God. And there was no power in it anymore. But once a year, God showed up and sent an angel to trouble the waters of a pool. And whoever got in it got healed. You know what he was saying? He was saying, the church may be dead, but I am not. Can you say amen? There may not be no power in the priesthood, but there's power in our high priest, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. But you can't sit and complain. So he, he wasn't really complaining. He was just answering an honest question. Jesus said, would you be healed? Came to him out of all those people. Would you be healed? He said, Lord, I have no man to put me in the water. And Jesus healed him on the spot. You don't need a man to put you in the water if you have faith in me. Can you say amen? You don't need any other go-between. But you can't go back home with your tail tucked between your legs and whine about your circumstance when I am available to you. I am here. I came to this planet to seek and to save. That was law to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captive free. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good, healing some people. We never know. You know, God is so vague and we don't know. No, healing all. Say it with me, healing all. Say it with me, healing all. Say it with me. If there be any sick among you, you, you can't call the elders. You don't know God's will. They don't know God's will. Nobody knows God. He said, yes, you can. You call them. You let them anoint you with oil. The prayer of faith shall. Come on, don't let somebody change the Bible to accommodate the deadness in the church. We don't need to rewrite the Bible. We don't need to explain it away. God doesn't need me to apologize for what He has purposed and promised. I don't come here to apologize for God. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by what? By what this denomination believes and what that preacher says. No, what God has said in His Word. You have to come to the place you're going to let God be true. 
and every man. Oh, yes, that one you love on television, too. Can you say amen? Every man. Every man. That one whose tapes you got. That one whose books you read. Every man. The Word of God is eternal. We've explained it away to make up for the deadness. 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 Preachers are sick. The congregation is sick. The miracles are not occurring. And I'm talking about Pentecost. I'm not talking about dead, twice plucked up denominational systems. I'm talking about we have a name that liveth. And we ought to live up to the name. That's what it said in the book of Revelation. You have a name that represents life. But thou art dead. We need to live up to the name. Can you say man? Glory be to God. Hallelujah. We call ourselves Pentecostal. We believe that the Holy Ghost was given on the day of Pentecost and we got Him. That He's here. He's not aloof in heaven. He's here on the earth. And the anointing is still here, therefore. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. We've got to get into a waiting upon the Lord, which means continual, actively seeking Him. It's amazing. When we put our trust only in the doctors, we become so over-dependent on them. When they say there's no hope, we accept it as the absolute truth. We pray and nothing happens, so we quit seeking God. We accept it. We become passive. We become complacent. And if we're not careful, Satan will have us accusing God. As your faith be. As your faith be. And by the way, how do you know if you got faith? Listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. If I could be a fly on the wall in your kitchen, I could diagnose your problem today by what you talked about and how you talked about it all week long. You're either chewing un bad cooked possum and spitting it out, amen, or you chewing on the Word of God, the meat of the Word, and swallowing it. Can you say amen? Come on, you're confessing what God's Word said or what the doctor said. You're confessing what God's Word said or what you feel. You're confessing what God's Word said or what you see. Can you say amen? Brother Bimble, I prayed it got worse. Well, join the club. That's normal. The devil's going to fight you. Put on your armor. Come on, get up in the morning before you put on your shoes. Put on the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. Can you say amen? Before you put on your sweater, put on your breastplate. I'm the seed of Abraham and his blessings rest on me. Abraham believed God and it was put to his account as righteousness. Put on that standing with God. Hallelujah. I'm not a, a beggar looking for a crumb. I'm a child of God sitting at his table. Woo! Hallelujah. Standing somewhere. 
in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. He's nowhere near you. He's not manifesting. He's not walking with you, talking with you. He's somewhere hiding in the shadows. Somewhere in the shadows. Somewhere out there. He's the only one. I'm not mocking. I'm just saying we got to change our tune. Come on, that sounds like a blues song to me. Can you say, man, standing somewhere? You can't sing it happy. There's no way to sing that happy. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. He's the only one who cares and understands. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. You'll know him by the nail prints in his hands. Well, of course he's got nail prints. He died for you, but he's not in the shadows. He's in you. He's in you. He's in you. He must be with you because he's in you. That's how he keeps his promise to be with you. Every place you set your feet, God has given you. Get in the word and find out what's yours. The promise, what kind of land was it? What kind of land did they call it? The the what? The promised land. In the book of faith, the chapter on faith, in the book of Hebrews, it said through faith, they obtained promises. They obtained promises. Now let me tell you something about the will of God. Here's something to never do. When it says give God thanks for all things, as if God gave that cancer to your child, do not do that. He did not do that, and don't you do that, but because of the vacuum for any kind of answered prayer, any kind of power or miracles in the church and the lives of so many of God's covenant people, we've come up with a doctrine. And I heard a man say the other day, I just I want to thank him for my cancer. I thought I can't pray for you till you quit that. I can't pray for you till you quit that. Come on. Come on. This devastating disease is killing mamas and daddies and kids and sons and daughters and aunts and uncles that doesn't care about age, doesn't care about innocence. It just ravages the body and kills. Don't attribute that to God. Attribute that to the one it come from. Can you say, man, attribute that to the one it come from. Don't thank God for cancer. He didn't send it to you to teach you something. He sent His Word. He sent His Spirit to guide you into truth. Why should I preach the Word? If God's going to teach you through cancer, there's no point in having me up here. Just pray for a big old cancer. And by the way, if God gave it to you, and if it's will for you to have it, why are you going to the doctor to try to get rid of it? I'm being blunt because this thing is a killer and God's people are dying. And we have a promise. We have a promise that that promise, they told you something about your body and you told the doctor you wouldn't receive what the doctor said. You just wouldn't receive it. Well, why didn't you listen to him? He's the professional. Why do we put God's word up against a professional? The same way we put it up against a scientist that don't know his head from a hole in the ground. The abundance of the heart. You want to know what's in your heart? 
the abundance of the heart. Listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. I know what my flesh does if I let it. And I know what yours does. I don't have to be a fly on the wall in your house. I know your flesh is just like mine. It's weak. You either crucify it or it's going to, it's going to rule you. But the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And I'm going to tell you what your flesh wants and my flesh wants. And that is sympathy. Amen. You've got to make up your mind. Do you want sympathy or do you want victory? Because God is not going to sympathize with people he's provided for. In fact, Joshua came over to two tribes that hadn't crossed over Jordan to take the land. Everybody say actively seeking, actively pursuing. They that wait to bind together by twisting. You can't make a rope with three strands by sitting and looking at it. Come on, you've got to do something. Everybody had to do something. Can you say, man, a woman with an issue of blood had every reason not to continue to seek. I am too weak. There's a crowd around him. There's no use. But she pushed as far as she could push and crawl the rest of the way. And she said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I know I'm going to be healed. And she kept pushing and pressing. Come on, church. People are dying in church with a covenant with God. People are dying in church because there's no prayer of faith and no one with faith to receive if there was anybody with faith. Amen? We think the Word of God is a take it or leave it thing. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing. So listen to what you're listening to. And listen to what you're saying. Been to too many hospitals in 43 years. Prayed for someone. Asked someone else, scheduled for a serious surgery. Would you like me to pray for you? And I get this pat answer, and it makes me want to run straight out the door. But I'm, I'm gracious. I'm merciful. I pray anyway, but I do not expect anything to change with this attitude. You want to hear the pat answer? Go ahead. It couldn't hurt. Go ahead. It couldn't hurt. Yeah, let's just say one of those prayers. See what happens. Nothing. As your faith be. Come on, you're not expecting a miracle. There's no faith to believe God. Amen. The doctor's word is the last word. So why pray? Nothing's going to happen. People sit in churches where there's no manifest power of God and they're happy to be there. Because they get their 59-minute fix on Sunday morning and they go home sick and defeated and depressed and in despair. But they show up the next Sunday because ain't that choir pretty? Have you seen their new robes, Brother Taylor? Them robes are sharp, sharper than the preacher this morning. Watch out, don't cut yourself on my tie. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Satisfied. Amen. Not hearing what you're hearing this morning. I want to be hard on my flesh. Therefore, I'm going to be hard on yours. Because if you don't crucify it, it's going to rule you. It's going to ruin you. Can you say amen? Because when you need victory, your flesh will want sympathy. Amen. When you need to trust God, your flesh will accuse and question God. And as your faith be, you mean what's happening in my life is not necessarily God's will? That the devil has a will for me? 
The thief came to do what? Steal. Take what God has provided and purpose. Defraud me of what is mine in Christ. Who himself bare your sins in his own body with whose stripes ye were. It was done at the cross. It's not something he has to decide. It's something he's already decided to provide. If there be any sick among you, forget about it. You know what I look for in many churches, even Pentecostal now? You know what I look for? I go to churches for pastor's meetings. You know what I'm looking for? I'm not looking for the sign out front saying full gospel or Pentecost. I'm looking for this right here. I want to know if anybody still believes God. I want to know if there's any hope for people that the devil is trying to destroy. I want to know if there's deliverance. I want to know if there's healing for anybody. I want to know if there's help or hope. I want to know if that preacher believes what the Bible said. I want to know if he's just as committed to James 5.14 as he is to John 3.16. Does John 3.16 carry more authority than James 5.14? How could it? It's all part of the canon. It's all part of the inspired Word of God. John 3.16 has to do with the salvation of our soul, the most important Scripture in all of the body, but it's not the only promise given. Can you say, man, John 3.16, if... For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish and have eternal life. It is the single Scripture that is used to win more souls than any Scripture in all of the Bible. Can you say amen? Because it's the Gospel in a nutshell. And sinners can be saved. And if someone earnestly from the heart prays the sinner's prayer with you, you can declare them saved. Why? Because God promised it, provided it, purposed it, and provided it. Through Christ on the cross, it's done. What happened to James 5, 14? If there be any sick among you, let them what? Languish. Thank God for their sickness and try to bear up under it. Let God take that child. Don't pray that God deliver that child. God's going to take it. He's gathering flowers. For the master's bouquet, he's killing kids. No, sin is what is killing kids. Because sin opened the door for Satan to do his dirty work. But Jesus came anointed to set the... How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Can you say, man, who is who his own self bear our sins in his own body with whose stripes? I've had more battles with sickness since I started really bearing down on healing than I ever had before I did that. I know what it is to have symptoms of just about anything. I know what it is to feel sick and weak, and I know what it is, amen, to stand on the Word of God so that God... Listen, I don't trust anybody but God. I can't do it. I've seen it. I've seen it falls too many times. I don't trust what you trust in. You know why many of you? Because when it fails, you have no recourse. That You can't fall back on God unless you go to Him first. Some trust in horses, some in chariots. Anything that man can manufacture to grant victory, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Can you say amen? Does that name still hold power today? 
does God still back it up with his authority and integrity? Hallelujah. We have a name that lives. We have a name that lives. We have a name, Christian, that represents life. But there's so much deadness. So much deadness. So much deadness. We got Christians thanking God for what the devil is doing to them. When it says give thanks for all things, it means all things that God has provided, that God has purposed, that God has willed. For every good and perfect gift. Don't you, don't you put cancer in that list. Don't you put uh, kidney disease in that list. The body is going to age and it's going to have problems, but God didn't start that. Sin and Satan did that. Amen? So we sit in dead churches and we wonder why God don't come through. Here's the reason. Listen to it carefully. Acts 14. How many got a Bible? How many believe what's written in it? How many believe we ought not mess with it? Brother Bimba, you're just talking like it's the same today. Well, Jesus hasn't changed. Jesus is the same. Why stand ye gazing into heaven? This same Jesus that you saw go up, that's the same one that's coming back. He ain't changed. The Jesus we read about on the shores of Galilee is the Jesus that's coming on the white horse one day. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what God said about himself? He said, I'm the Lord God of Israel and I don't change. Can you say man? The Bible said in him there is no darkness at. He don't have to apologize. Come on. He didn't misstep. He didn't misspeak. You don't need to rewrite the Bible to accommodate the vacuum of power and faith that is in the church of Christ today. God did not misstep. God did not misspeak. Heaven will pass away. Earth will pass away. You and I will pass with it, but His Word will abide forever. Oh, don't patty cake Elton John gets better. Can you say man? Can you say man? You know know what veracity God puts on His Word? As holy as His name is. As holy as His name is. Oh, I've got to get this in before we go. As holy as His name is. When they wrote the Old Testament, they were so keenly aware of the holiness of God. When they picked up a quill, dipped it in ink, and wrote the four letters at that time that we evolved into Yahweh and into Jehovah. But when they wrote those four letters for His name, they considered that pen not worthy to write any other word And they threw it away. Whatever came after his name in Scripture, they wrote with another quill. But when they came to his name, they didn't go get the same quill they wrote it with the first time. They got a brand new one that had never written anything and wrote his name again and threw it away till the next occurrence of his name. And you know, that's how holy his name is. And yet, the Bible said he's exalted his word Above his name. Oh my goodness sakes alive. 
Oh, my God in heaven. He's exalted. Come on. His word above his name. You know why? Because his name can't be as holy as it is if he isn't a God of his word. Can you say, man, if he doesn't keep his covenant to a thousand generations according to his word, then he can't be the holy God. He's a God that can change. He's Oh, but the Bible said every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom... In whom, in whom there is no variableness, not even a shadow, not even a possibility, not even a smidgen, uh, amen, that he would change. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. We change. The world has changed. The church has certainly changed. But God is the same. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever if you touch him by faith virtue is going to flow from him can you say amen because he hasn't changed if I preach any less than I'm preaching right now I'm not going to anoint and pray for anybody because you're not going to have any faith Acts 14 Verse 1, they went down to Lystra, and there they preached the gospel. There they preached, I don't know if it's verse 1 or down in it, but it's in Acts 14. Anybody can tell me that? Thank the Lord he's not playing a, he's not playing a donkey Kong. Anyway, 6, verse 6. Okay, and there? And, and, and Lystra and Dibri, cities of Laconia, unto the region that lies round about. And there, and there they preached the gospel. Stop right there, but keep the place. And there they preached what? The gospel. I'm going to submit something to you based on this scripture. And this word wait to actively seek and pursue. Listen. There must have been something in the gospel other than the cross and salvation. There had to be something more than limited to Jesus dying on the cross, which is the greatest and most important part of the gospel, but it's not all of the gospel. And that's why we used to call ourselves, what, Pentecostals, because we received the Holy Spirit, we believe the gifts are for today, and we called ourselves something else. And it was way before the crazy-matic thing came along. We called ourselves full gospel come on we preach the whole word of god not just the acceptable parts of it can you say man hallelujah all right there they preach the gospel here's the principle i want to leave with you healing is not extraneous to the gospel something foreign from it but it's intrinsic to it go and preach the gospel Heal the sick and cast out devils. Can you say amen? That's the rest of it. Can you say amen? Can you read on down in there where it says, and there, there sat a man who, who heard Paul preach. Here we go. A certain man in Lester, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb who never had walked. And the same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. Wait, wait, wait. 
perceiving that he had what? You see, here's the problem. We put it all on the anointed preacher, if you can find one. Come on, we put it all on the anointed preacher. Paul said, I ain't going to pray for you unless I perceive there's something in you to receive. You can't sit there in your doubt, your fear, your unbelief, your complaining, your accusing, and expect an anointed man to bypass all that and get you healed. Because as your faith be, even Jesus couldn't do it. It's not that He couldn't, He wouldn't. It violated the law of faith. He required. Oh, by the way, your salvation isn't complete until you confess with your mouth. You can't just believe in your heart. Amen? 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 You can't just believe in your heart. It's not enough. By faith are you saved. Through grace it is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. For with the heart... Man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. He said it is, if you don't confess me before men, I will not confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father and His angels. Amen? Believe in the heart, but confess with... That's why I said, listen to what you're listening to and listen to what you're saying. For by thy words, by thy words, thou shalt be justified. By thy words, thou shalt be condemned. The abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Come on, you can't keep talking defeat, depression, despair... You can't leave God out of the equation and then want Him to come through. You can't, you can't just let His Word not have any effect on you at all, but let your circumstances do all the talking, and then you start talking about your circumstances. You need to find something God has purposed, God has promised and provided in His Word, and start saying it out loud. Hold fast your profession. That word in the Greek means to say. It means actually confession. And it means to say the same thing as another. Can you say, man, it means to say what God has said, not what you feel. It means to say what God has said about your circumstance, not what you see. For the things which are seen are temporal. And the things which are unseen are eternal. Hallelujah. The things which are seen, therefore, are subject to to change and God is ready to make a change in our circumstances if we're willing to put our trust in the unchangingness of God and the unchangingness of his word but you've got to say it have faith in God if you say to this mountain be there removed cast into the midst of the sea and doubt not in your heart that what you say is going to come to pass. You shall have what you say. That don't mean you can get what you want. It means you can get what you discover He wills. Amen? It don't mean you can get your way, but you can get His will. 
The defeat is glaring. The depression is deep. And if you keep complaining, no one can pull you out of the hole. Satan is going to kick you in and cover you up. God's word is your rope. He'll pull you out. He'll pull me out. He's pulled anybody. He pulls people out of cocaine addiction. Crack cocaine. He pulls them out. People that want to be free, he sets free. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Come on. Nothing is too hard for God. Not even your case. But you've got to get into a waiting upon the Lord is not sitting and complaining and pondering your problem and chewing that, un, that wrong cooked possum until you can't swallow it anymore. They're poised to take the promised land. They have to go get it. They got to go get it. Because he said, it's yours. I will it. But you've got to walk over Jordan and you've got to walk up to that wall city and walk up to those fierce armies and look those giants in the eye and said, we've come to take over in the name of our God and our King. This was your land, but this is your eviction notice. You're going to have to move on because we're coming. 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 This man had the faith to be healed, and Paul steadfastly beholding him, perceiving that he had the faith to be healed, said to him, see you jump, get people in a line that haven't had any teaching, that haven't been challenged, that's been doing everything wrong and nothing right, that don't know how to stand on the Word of God and don't know how to rebuke the devil and don't know how to talk to the mountain, but boy, they can talk about it. They can tell you how tall it is, how wide it is, how rocky the face of it is, how many snakes are in the crevices of the rock, amen, how many rock slides are going to come down. They can tell you every little detail of the mountain, but they can't say a word to it. There's no faith to receive. They haven't been taught when they are taught. They don't apply it. The flesh wins. And the flesh wants sympathy. Sympathy. Poor, poor, pitiful me. I never want that to be my testimony. No matter what I'm going through. I have a father in heaven. I have a father, not a force. Come on, Star Wars is about to come out and people are going to get back into the force. I have a father. I have a father. Heretofore, you've asked the father nothing in my name. Ask that you may receive. That your joy be full. Hallelujah. Because he's not just my father. I'm going to my Father and your Father. My God and your God. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. If, if you being a father 
and your son asks for a fish, would you give him a stone? If he asks for bread, would you give him a serpent? If you being evil according to your flesh intrinsically, know how to give good things to your children. How much more will you got to accept this? Your heavenly Father. Come on. He's intimate. He's personal. He's paternal. He's protective. He provides. If I, as an earthly father, let my family go hungry and go without clothes, I am denied the faith and worse than an infidel. I'm going to tell you, God is not going to hold himself to a lower standard than he holds me to. But then where's the problem? Why don't he do it? Because you've got to have faith. And you don't get faith. By just listening to the explaining away of the miracles of Christ being the same. God doesn't heal anymore. There's a whole movement afoot among churches that are void of that power. Because they're intimidated by it. They, they, they got so bad that they said that the 50 million Pentecostals, full gospel, charismatic Christians are all lost because it's strange fire. They've all been duped by the devil and they don't even know Jesus. That's how vehement they are against what you're hearing right here and right now. And they're out there. They're called cessationists. They say when the last apostle died, all the miracles stopped. And the scripture they're using is that when that that is perfect is come, where there be tongues, they shall cease. Prophecies, they shall fail. When that that's perfect shall come, that that's in part shall be done away. They think it's the Bible when the perfect is Jesus. When he comes, we won't need prophecy. We can talk to him mouth to mouth. He can talk to us. When he comes, we're going to sit by him in heaven. Can you say amen? Be gathered around his throne. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Listen to me. They just say we got the Bible. We got the Bible. Don't we have God anymore? I thought we had God. Listen, the Bible without God is a dead letter book. But if God backs it up, it's the word of the living God. And, you, and faith comes when you hear it. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Is this hard on your flesh? Good. It's supposed to be. If your flesh keeps running things and ruling you. Keep operating by sense knowledge. Sense knowledge. Physical world tells you zero about God. Zero. Moses, when he came to years, sense knowledge would tell him, Where's God? We're still in bondage. Where's God? What's going on? I got an opportunity to be a prince in Egypt and have riches untold. And when he came to years, he chose. To suffer affliction with the righteous rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And he made that decision, the Bible said, as seeing him that is invisible. Come on. He had to go beyond sense knowledge to believe there is a God. And he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And he's a rewarder of them that do evil in the world. There's a payday someday. And I'd rather give up the temporal riches of this world to have the eternal wealth of being right with God. God takes, you've got to get past sense knowledge. You've got to grow out of that. Come on, you've got to get out of that. For once, get past it. Jericho is walled up 
new generation comes along under Joshua. They cross over Jordan. They come to a city that archaeologists say is so wide, the walls, not just the tall, but the wide. They found the ruins of what they believed to be the ancient city of Jericho. And the walls were so thick that you could run six chariots abreast. You can't beat that down with no battering ram. And if it was tall as it was wide, you couldn't, you couldn't scale it with a ladder neither. And they sat inside perfectly, safe and secure. And the first thing that God told Joshua when he looked at that city as impregnable, and yet God said, I want to give you this land, but here's something in the way that looks like there's no way around and no way over. He said, see. God said to Joshua, see. See. And Joshua looking dead at that big old impregnable wall. And God tell him to see. I want you to look past the wall. I want you to look past the circumstance. See. See. Faith sees the invisible. Can you say, man, see. No. Listen, you get in the Word of God, you're going to find out that God talks different than we talk. He calls the things not. <laughs> see. You say, I don't see nothing but my trouble. I don't see nothing but the devil. I don't see nothing but the circumstance. He said, I want you to look past all of that. I purposed it. I promised it. And I'm going to give it to you. I want you to see that. Come on, I want you to see that. He says, see. S-E-E. I have. Cause of things not as though. I have given you this city. Oh, you ain't got it yet, but I, the moment I purpose it and the moment I promise it, as far as I'm concerned, it's yours for the taking. Do it harder, do it harder. There's not enough people in this room. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God wants you to see something today. Come on. We've been sitting on the premises when we need to be standing on the promises. Can you say amen? Wow. Wow. R.W. Schambach was sitting in a traffic jam in Los Angeles, California. He had been diagnosed with a severe heart problem. Sitting in that traffic jam under all of that stress, trying to get to a meeting where he's the preacher and he can't get there. When I came to your loved one's funeral, I left an hour and a half early, and I got there a half an hour late. <laughs> they were coming out when I made it. Because I come from Plant City, I decided to take the cutoff. What I forgot was when people start getting off in Tampa, heading for New Tampa, and I thought, Lord, have mercy. I forgot about Tampa. I forgot about the traffic. So he was in one of those jams in L.A., far worse than Tampa. And he said his heart, the traffic had come to complete stop, and several things began to happen. Number one, he was stressed. And number two, the devil began to tell him, I am going to kill you in your car, and they can't even get 9 one 
one to you. That's back when we had beepers, children. That's before we had cell phones. You can't get to a pay phone. You ain't got no phone. And besides, if you had a phone, ambulance ain't can't get in here through all this mess. And you're going to die in your car right here. And everything you preached about God and Jesus being the same and, and deliverance and healing is going out the window because R.W. Shambach is going to die today. And he said, boy, that fear gripped him because he was having the actual symptom. He said, I got out of my car. And I said, in the name of Jesus, with his stripes, I'm healed. And he said, I went running down the freeway. And while he was, now don't do this unless you got faith, because it'll just kill you. That's all that's going to happen. Amen. Come on. Faith without works is dead, and works without faith is deadly. Amen. But he had the faith. He felt God, the Holy Spirit rise up within him. He rebuked the devil. He claimed the promise of God. And the, and the more, see, if you're having a heart attack, you don't go running down the road. That's the last thing you need to do. He ran down the road and ran back to his car. He said, by the time I ran back to my car after a quarter mile out and a quarter mile back, all the symptoms were gone. And I had peace come all over me. I knew the devil had lost the battle. I had claimed the word and God had honored his work. But it wasn't by sitting in the car saying, why is this happening to me? So what would you do? I'm not telling you to run because this is a disclaimer. Probably kill you. If you ain't got no faith, you ain't no... Come on, don't do that. But how many would like to build your faith so you can see some victory so the devil can't win them all? Amen. Everywhere you put the sole of your feet I've given you, they came up against this city that said you defying them. And God says, see, I have given you this city. I have given you the king and I've given you the army. It's yours. Then he gave them the plan to get it. And it was no plan that involved them doing anything but believing what he had told them. I want you to march around it. I want you to put the ark in front. And I want you to follow the ark. And I want you to march around it six times on the seventh day. I want you to march seven times. And at the end of that seventh trip, I want you to shout to the top of your lungs. Amen. Now, if you've got that passive faith that just sits and waits, you ain't marching around no city. You ain't marching at all. You're sitting complacent. And after a while, because I've been preaching too long, after a while, God will get accused. The devil will have you accusing the one that you need desperately to help you. And then he closes in. Then he closes in. There's no faith to be healed. So all the prayer for healing is not going to do any good because there's no faith. This is in the way. God says it's going to have to get out of the way. So they did what he said. Can you imagine what they did upon that wall? Can you imagine the insults that they hurled at them? We've had people come try to take this city forward. Nobody's ever took it. And you sure ain't going to take it marching around with your little golden box and your, and your bunch of priests and, and all you just walking around in circles like a bunch of, bunch of dodo birds. 
But they did what God said by faith in his promise. See, I've given you the seed. As far as I'm concerned, it's yours. But you've got to do an act of faith to receive it and to get it. You can't sit there and, and I'm not going to send an angel and kill them all. I'm not going to tear the, the gates off with the lightning bolt. You've got to march around it by faith. I require, You do what you can do to show you have faith in what I've told you. And I'll do what you can't do by my spirit. But I'm not going to do anything till you do something. Because you can't sit there and keep on complaining. That's what killed a generation and kept them out of the promised land. You say, Brother Vimble, you're not sympathetic. If I give you sympathy instead of offer you victory, Satan will kill you. Satan will kill you. If he gets into your life, he'll kill you. He came to steal kill but he can't kill until he steals he has to defraud you of something that is rightfully yours come on come on i want some preacher to tell me what's mine oh come on i want somebody to stand oh i don't want him to go easy on my flesh i want him to nail it because you can't crucify it unless you nail it if you could hear what you've been saying If you could hear what you've been listening to, you'd know why you're where you are this morning. I get up in the morning, I go out by myself, I refuse to turn on the news. I will not listen to the news until I declare this is the day the Lord has made. With my hands raised, I will rejoice and be glad in it. You made it. You're in control. Nothing's going to happen. And you're not only in control of the universe, you're in control of my life because I've invited you into my life as my Savior and my King and my Sovereign. Can you say amen? There's no bad news that's worse than the good news of Jesus. Nothing is going to occur today that you can't work together for good. And I'm going to praise you right here and right now. Not based on what happens, but in spite of what happens. I'm going to begin to give you the glory here and now. Hallelujah. And then I begin to call some of your names before him. As God drops you on my heart. Some of you I pray for quick because you must not be in bad trouble. Some of you I have to take some time with because you're in a pickle. Evidently, I don't know what the pickle is. I just know that you're in a pickle. By the way, I can tell you've been in a pickle because some of you look like you've been pickled when you come to church. Amen. Come on. Some of you have been baptized in vinegar. Can you say amen? It, it makes you sour. Listen to me. I understand it. I've been there, but I've refused to live there. I've been there, but I won't stay there. Can you say amen? Remember what God told you two Sundays ago? Remember what He told you? You got up and you were starting to talk about how bad you felt, and He told you what? Whoa. He said what? Speak light. He said speak light. Not according to what you feel, but what God's Word says and what Jesus is to you. I come to give you life. And that more abundantly. We're going to see a revival somewhere, somehow, where people receive the Word, get back to the Bible, find out what is theirs in Christ and willing to walk out and take it by faith. We're going to see a revival. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. 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 Man got burned and I got a close. Say he's got a close. Oh, thank you. That'll help me. Hallelujah. Amen. One more amen. I'd be, be, be 
going right on. How many believe we need more of this? We need some teaching today. Come on, come on. We need some teaching. There sat a man at Lystra, lame in his feet, that never walked from his mother's womb. And they did what at Lystra? They preached the gospel. And Paul, oh, come on. It had to be more than John 3.16 who himself bears sins in his own body. That's the most important, but that's not the full gospel. That's not the whole gospel. With whose stripes ye were healed. Can you say amen? He couldn't have faith to be healed unless he heard that God was still in the healing business. And he heard it as the gospel was being preached. Go and preach the gospel and what? Sit down? Tell people to thank God for what the devil's doing? No! Preach the gospel and heal the sick. cessationist says not for today Pentecostals are crazy 50 million Pentecostals are lost and going to hell the power of God because they don't understand it and because there's no power in their meetings is attributed to the devil and that's dangerous that's dangerous that's dangerous it's not me personally he can call me every name in the book and they do But when you attribute God's power to the devil, you're on dangerous ground. You speak a word against me, Jesus said it can be forgiven you. Speak a word against my Father, it can be forgiven you. But don't you speak against the Holy Spirit. And how were they speaking against the Holy Spirit? They were saying that he does, that Jesus did his miracle. How God anointed Jesus to do this, he anointed him with what? The Holy Spirit said he does these works by Beelzebub, the prince of devils, the lord of the flies, the lord of the dead. They attributed demons to the power that was healing and delivering people from the devil in Jesus' life. He said you're crossing a serious line now. If you don't understand it, just say I don't understand it. Show me the truth, Lord. But don't attribute the power of God to demons. He that speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven in this life or in the world to come. There is no forgiveness. It's called the unpardonable sin. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts of sin. And you can't push Him away and accuse Him and even get saved. And I'm convinced some of these preachers went to... Bible colleges and came out with a degree in theology but they don't know God but they know one thing they know their churches are dead and their people are devastated and they're telling them to thank God for it all and if anybody talks about a miracle a healing a victory a deliverance they say they're of the devil John MacArthur does that why are you calling him by name? Because somebody needs to name these guys every now and then. They don't cast out devil. Even Catholic Church with all of its paraphernalia, they still believe that you can get victory over the devil, but you've got to deal with him. It's not going to go away because the last apostle died and the devil said it wouldn't be fair if I afflicted them. And you know I play fair. Can't you just see the last apostle? 
I don't know which one was the last to die. I could look it up, but John. After Patmos, salt mines, got the revelation. It gets weak. It's time to go home like it's going to happen to everybody. <laughs> he drops. No more miracles. No more deliverance. No more supernatural answers to prayer. God's hands are tied. Because that that's perfect has come. We got a Bible now that's inerrant. The unadulterated word of God. We don't need God to back it up. Listen. We might have us to quit praying. Because God can't answer a prayer unless he works a miracle. Because if you turn to Webster or any dictionary, the most simple explanation of a miracle is a supernatural intervention in the normal course of human affairs. Something has to something unseen has to act upon something seen. Something intangible has to act upon the tangible and the physical. And that something is a someone, and that someone is Jesus and our Heavenly Father. Can you say, man, will you stand to your feet today and give Him some praise in here? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many want the faith to receive what God has provided? Then you've got to watch out what you're listening to. Tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If any man lack wisdom on any matter, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, but let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. Come on, you've got to make up your mind to make up your mind. Hallelujah. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is as the wave of the sea driven by the wind and tossed. That means completely subject to the circumstances with no recourse. A wave is going to go where the wind drives it. It has no recourse. We are not like the waves of the sea. We are not driven by the wind and tossed. Hallelujah. Our feet are upon a strong foundation of God's word and God's character and God's name. Can you say, man? And we need to stand up. Stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. Can you say, man? Somebody give Him praise in this room. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I feel like teaching and preaching and preaching and teaching. Glory to God. So that some joy comes back. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you come home, you find your wife in bed with all the symptoms of hepatitis. And you lay hands on her and the fever breaks. And she starts sweating through her clothes and immediately gets better. You thank God. Amen. I slay the Listen, the little things count. You slay the lion and the bear. You can take on the giants. But you can't take on a giant until you start using that faith. Can you say, man? My son said, Daddy, Daddy. I said, why are you wearing a, a long sleeve shirt in the summertime? He said, Daddy, I'm ashamed. He rolled up his sleeves and these old, old warts had covered both arms. Both arms are full of the old tag warts. And you can buy stuff to put on them in a few months if you keep putting it on. But we're in the middle of the summer and I thought, I don't have to do that. We have a heavenly Father. God is faithful. The name of Jesus is powerful. Can you say, man? I said, son, let's pray over them right now. 
and I was busy. I had radio broadcasts and mission work going on. I was busy. I was too busy to think about it. I just laid hands on him and rebuked him in the neck. I said, you little old things, you little old lowlifes, because they are low life, little old piece of skin living off somebody else's skin. I said, in the name of Jesus, I curse you and I command you to fall off of him. Well, they didn't go nowhere. He rolled his sleeve down, buttoned it up, went on to school. Four days later, he come home from school. And he said, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. He come running in. I thought, what's wrong, son? What's wrong? He said, they're gone, Daddy. He rolled up his sleeve said, they're gone. He said, I got up this morning, and they were gone. I couldn't wait to tell you, Daddy, they're gone. They're gone. They're gone. Well, they didn't go unless you told them to go. And the devil ain't going unless you tell him to go. Simon rose up and told him to go. 